The following is a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy tonight on the plethora of platforms on the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker. However you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the program tonight. You can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford and Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. After a bye week from yours truly, we're back on the air, and it is a huge week ahead in sports for AllAndyElford. Of course, I'm talking about what's going to happen Saturday night in downtown Toledo as opening night for the Toledo Walleye. The Walleye have been on the ice since then. They got a pretty good record. We'll talk about the fish tonight. Also, the Jackets. Oh, the Jackets. They're over in Finland getting ready for the big global series against the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche. We'll talk about that. The Fighting Phils are deadlocked with the Astros in the World Series. Two game at one game at two to one. Excuse me. Two two. Series is tied at two games apiece for the big pivotal game five tonight at Citizens Bank Ballpark. Oh, the Lions. Oh, the Lions. Oh, oh, the Lions. The LOL Lions are back. <sighs> Embarrassing. But hey, the Browns get the job done on Halloween, beating Joey B. And we'll recap week eight. Of the National Football League. But Maction returns. And a huge game in Wood County last night. Bowling Green has now five wins. One away from going bowling. We'll talk about what we saw last night. It is a huge night tonight. We're back on the air. It's November. The punk, put the pumpkin spice lattes away. Break out the peppermint mocha. Because it's time for All Andy Alfred. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. And a shot at a goal. 54 runs in the span of the Shut out. Dumbino. Hit to a home run. Go Jack. That's way back. Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down. Chicago Bears. Choo-choo, it's time for all Andy Alfred. And with that I say, oh, I love you guys. And welcome into another edition of all Andy Alfred. Right here on your exclusive home for me. And that is with the Anchor Network. And you are listening to me tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network. Whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. Bleaker, Stitcher, however you are listening, wherever, whenever, and however you listen. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for tuning into the show tonight to hear what's happening in the sports world as well as what's happening in my everyday life. And you can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. And welcoming you into the show tonight on this the third day of November, 2022. As we are back on the air with you guys tonight as we are 
coming off the bye, we had coming off the Bowling Green bye, we decided to take a week off just to recharge, just to get ready for this long run and a long playoff series. Not playoff series, but a long season ahead for yours truly with BGSU football. You have the walleye, you have the jackets, you have the start of, you'll have some college basketball. We'll, we'll work that way in there as well. Uh, more college football than anything else. Um, yeah, it's going to be a big, it's a big show. A lot to get into, uh, of course. Uh, programming note. Saturday night, yours truly and the wife will be downtown for opening night 2022. It finally came to fruition. We finally got uh, the uh, acquisition of some tickets for opening night. We got, we're going to be in the arena for opening night. And it is going to be a dandy of a night. Uh, it's going to be a sellout, sellout crowd. Uh, got lucky, got, got to get tickets for this a big event. Um, so, yeah, we are excited. Um, we'll give you details on our Twitter account as well as on Facebook. You'll see the uh, first intermission report, of course, by yours truly uh, from the seats. Uh, also, we'll have pictures as well. Uh, we're looking to do maybe a Facebook Live as we're going to walk around for the pregame party as well. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be fun. Also, programming note, we're doing these shows now on Thursday. Because of the midweek matching games that are going on, it'll give you more of an insight on the post game on what's happening with Bowling Green, with Toledo, and other Mid American conferences. So, if you're looking for the show Tuesday nights, we're not going to be doing Tuesday night shows. We're going to be doing those show. Our show now will be done once a week on Thursday. We're going to do the show then to get you set up for the weekend ahead, and then. Once we get later on down the road, we'll go back. Once the midweek matching games are done, we'll go back to going to do the Tuesday Thursday shows. So yes, two shows will be coming back after the midweek matching games are done. So there is that for you, housekeeping wise. Also, another housekeeping note to pass along with you as well. It will be on the fifteenth of November. Of course, we're talking about the big University of Toledo Bowling Green State University. Battle of I-75 football game that will be taking place at the Glass Bowl this year at Toledo. Yours truly will be at the game, of course. It's going to be an early tailgate. We are going to be doing the tailgate early. Get to the tailgate. We'll give you the information once we get it available. We're going to do the tailgate starting. Now get ready for this. Starting at 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock will be the start time for the tailgate. Now, the reason why we're starting so early is that the Barstool Sports College Football Show will be at the University of Toledo for the BGUT game for Maction because it is the rivalry game. It is the Battle of I-75. And uh, Dave Portnoy, uh, Big Cat, Brandon Walker, and Casey, all four will be in attendance. The show will be taped live, and it will be aired live on the Barstool Sportsbook YouTube account, so get there early. They'll have free swag, of course. Uh, the Hooters girls will be there for a wing eating contest. Of course, you'll hear the top tens from each team. You'll also hear their predictions for the week ahead because, I mean, it, it will be Tuesday night, so they will have all the games and all the numbers set up for the week ahead. So there's that. Um, see if you can get a picture with Dave or Big Cat. I'm trying to get uh, 
the either Big Cat or uh, or Brandon Walker to come on and just give a quick snippet for the podcast, but uh, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a stretch for that. Um, but I, I do want to get my picture taken with Casey and as well as Dave, and uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting. We will be at the game as well too. Um, I'll give you details on when we're where we're sitting for that, but again, the all Andy Elford tailgate will be taking place the 15th of November. That is a Tuesday night, a Tuesday afternoon, 3 o'clock. We'll give you the details of what lot we will be at. Uh, stop by. We'll have sandwiches and chips, a couple sodas. Uh, I'm not going to bring any alcohol. You, if it is BYOB, if you're bringing your own, bringing your alcoholic beverage, do that. Uh, but I will have Dr. Pepper and some sandwiches and some chips to enjoy the college football game, the big one. This is the big one. And it, it, it's going to now rely and be very important going forward. It's huge now. This game in two weeks is now becoming more and more uh, prevalent that this game could be possibly a precursor to the MAC championship. And I'm going to dive right into that right now. I'm going to dive... Right into that right now as we now get into some midweek action. And we're going to start first and foremost with what we saw last night at Doit Perry Stadium in Wood County. Now Bowling Green coming off of the bye from the week before. After the big win at Central Michigan. It was a huge win against Central Michigan. They're on a two game winning streak. Could they string that streak to three? It was a huge game and a huge implications for the Matt, for the Mayor America Conference East Division. Good Matt Rome. And yours truly was watching the game and I took some notes on this game. And was first it was first the, the big takeaway from this whole game and the first the second drive of the game for the def, on the defensive side was just lights out. It was absolutely lights out. Love seeing the drive for the play. The thing is once they got the three and out, the offense comes on the field with McDonald. He, he, it's great to see the short passes. And they're connecting on the short passes, and it's great to see that. And they're connecting. But the problem is I had with that third series, the second series for Bowling Green. Bowling Green needs to keep, teach Matt McDonald to throw the ball away. Need to throw it away. And that's what cost them in the drive. Three and out, they have to punt. Sammy Zer, a great night for him. He was clutching all his punts. He was clutching all his punts. And you'll hear it from Scott tonight as well. Special teams was really, really good. We go down. The Western Michigan takes another offensive drive. But the, another run defense shuts it down. Yet again, they shut it down. The defense keep playing it. The problem I had was once they got the foot, once they got the football back, Bowling Green got the football back. I made a note here: great field position. You have to have two hands on the football. Two hands on the football on the run because he fumbles the football, and it's another turnover. But it it's a turnover. Western Michigan then gets the football, takes the deep shot down field. And an interception turns into positive yards. The defense, again, stellar performance on that run. Again, defense, again. Ends of the first quarter. We get to the second quarter. Great defense. But pre-snap penalties, again, kill us. 
I only had two pre-snap penalties in the whole game. I kept track of it. It was that was a pre-snap penalty. But they drive down the field after the interception. Literally leads on just a field goal. It's three nothing. Again, the defense stays strong. Again, four. They go for on fourth down. Western Michigan does, and they get a stop. It's just. It, it was that when that happened, I felt like the momentum went in favor of Bowling Green, and that's when Bowling Green capitalized. But the problem was, you can't do a trick play. You honestly can't do a trick play. And the problem is, once you do the trick play, you got if, if Matt can't get the ball into the if they can't get the ball in, they're not going to get any positive yards. And then the problem is, McDonald throws it down the field. Interception. So if you can't find a receiver, Matt, throw it away. Pelley's helped the Bowling Green defense. A play that, you know, it turned into a legal shift. Bowling Green gets the defensive stop. Offense gets the football back. They take it down the field. Played really well. Play really well, but it ends up with six point, with a field goal. So it's six nothing. The defense again a stellar performance in the first half. Gets the huge sack to end the first half. BG's up six nothing at halftime. Gets to the second half. Bowling Green gets the return. They drive it. Down, they get the return and they go eighty six yards on the kickoff return. Bowling Green hasn't had a kickoff return in over three seasons. Three seasons. It would have been special for them to get the return there. Drive it down the field. Fullback gets a fullback slant and it's a touchdown. And BG takes a 13 to nothing lead. Now I'm saying to myself at that point. If this defense can hold and can be stellar like they were in the first half. This ball game's over. But they struggled on the first series. The only bright spot to the whole series for them on the first defensive play for Bowling Green, the first offensive series for Western Michigan, was that Carl Brooks stepped up to the plate. And honestly, he stepped up to the plate. And then you had the fumble that just nobody wanted to pick up. Nobody wanted to pick up. And Bowling, but Bowling Green picked it up and recovered the turnover. And they got the football back. But the offense for them and the next series sputtered. Honestly sputtered and they struggled. Three and out. Problem I had on the next play, on the next series for Western Michigan was that I think Scott should not have called the safety checkup. On the series. Because if he didn't call the checkup on that series, I think we would have stopped him. But in the end, the safeties checked up. They checked up. And Boguet threw it. And it cost us six points. Western Michigan scores a touchdown. They get the low snap. Run it 
try to run it, can't run it. Six, they fail on the two-point try. It's 13-6. Here's the problem I had. Well, that, ended the, that got into the end of the third quarter. We get the football back. We're driving down the field. We're, we get into the red zone. And Christian Sims, two hands, my friend. You can't be lollygagging with the football. You can't lollygag with the football. If he has two hands on that football going into the end zone, Bowling Green's got pretty much the game wrapped up. But instead, the ball pops out, Western Michigan recovers, and a touchback. Western Michigan then drives down the field. They drive down the field. Kick a field goal. Makes it 13 to 9. Western Michigan then gives the football back to Bowling Green. Three and out. 13 to 9. And then that's when I started pacing. Because as as a Bowling Green fan, as a BG fan, I'll be blatantly honest with you guys. I, I, I felt like it was going to be one of those things that we're going to lose this game at the end. And it, I, I, I didn't want to see that happen. I didn't want to see that happen. The defense stood tall. Stood tall and ran the, feet, ran the football. Ran it down. And it's a turnover and downs. For Western Michigan. Bowling Green gets the football back. They run it. They run it. And. They run the clock out. And Bowling Green. Gets the huge. 13-9 win. Over the Western Michigan Broncos. Getting them to five wins. The first time they've gotten to five wins. Since 2015. That says a lot. That honestly says a lot. So, a huge win for Bowling Green. Huge win for Bowling Green. Looking at the stats in this game. For Western Michigan, Boyette. 16 for 27. For 191 yards, one TD, one interception. His QBR rating, a 32.5. Taylor with uh, Tyler, excuse me, 26 carries for 93 yards, no TDs. Boyette ran the football seven times for 29 yards, no TDs in the game. Crooms was the was I I, did, I never understood why Bowling Green didn't run double coverage on Crooms. Eight catches for 151 yards, one TD. Sambucci, two catches, 20 yards, no TDs. But here's for Bowling Green. McDonald was great. 23 for 31 for 161 yards. No TDs, no interceptions. His QBR was 25.9. But he he was zipping those passes. Patterson, 10 carries, 56 yards, no TDs. Keith, tremendous game. Tremendous game. And what's happening with his life right now? Absolutely amazing. 10 carries, 53 yards.
Finn Jr., one catch, uh, one carry, eight yards, one TD, which is the fullback. O'Hare, nine catches, 51 yards, no TDs. Sims, four catches, 41 yards, no TDs. He could have had one if he held the football. He could have had one if he held the football. Broden, two catches, 15 yards. Harold Finn Jr., two catches, 15 yards. Uh, C.J. Kroom for Bowling Green, two catches, 11 yards. Here's the overall team stats. Bowling Green had 16 first downs to Western Michigan's 15. On third down, Bowling Green was 4 for 14. Western Michigan, 5 for 15. On fourth down, Western Michigan, 1 for 3. Bowling Green was a solid, was a perfect 1 for 1. Bowling Green had 289 total yards of offense, 161 through the air, 128 on the ground. Western had 318 total yards of offense, 191 through the air, 127 on the ground. Five penalties for 50 yards for Bowling Green. It's pretty clean. Four penalties, 40 yards for Western. Bowling Green had three turnovers in the game, and all three turnovers were fumbles. All three turnovers were fumbles. Western had two turnovers in the game, one fumble and one interception. Bowling Green led in time of possession, 30 minutes and 10 seconds, to Western's 29 minutes and 50 seconds. So Bowling Green... Huge win goes to five and four overall, four and one in the MAC East, and we'll get to the MAC MAC uh, standings here in just a second. But uh, let's go to Scott Leffler's press conference from last night in a victorious coach, and you'll hear what he has to say about how his team performed last night as they defeated Western Michigan thirteen to nine in action on Wednesday night. We knew uh, coming into this game it was going to be an absolute uh, defensive war, and uh, it was. And uh, I think those are two really, really good defenses out there. And uh, the the thing uh, that offensively that, uh, you know, why we've been winning is taking care of the ball. And uh, we need to get back to taking care of the ball. And uh, we had three turnovers, and it's really hard to win. Uh, when you have three turnovers, and I think they had two, so losing the turnover battle, we're very fortunate to have won the game. But uh, uh, the things that I can tell you about our kids is uh, uh, they're resilient, they play the together, they care about each other, and that's why we won. Um, offensively, uh, we move the ball. Uh, we just got to finish the deal and uh, play complementary football with our defense. Special teams, I thought, was uh, off the charts, and uh, um, there was some uh, just some really, really good efforts by uh, all the kids, in my opinion. This was a this was an old school battle. We knew it was going to be, and uh, you know we're we're going to watch the tape. We're going to improve and uh, uh, get ready for next week. Even with Western kind of breaking back the game. Yeah, the you know just like I said, uh, you know, the two most disappointing things in the ball game was the late hit on the quarterback, and then uh, you know not protecting the ball uh, going into the uh, end zone. You know, the game is with the way that our defense was playing, that game was over, and uh, so 
you know, we got to look at our mistakes. We got to clean them up. You know, as we move in this journey, um, those things are going to bite us in the tail, and we got to clean them up and uh, just uh, continue to improve. I like our kids. I like our mentality. We need to get rid of uh, some of the, you know, some of the young, young guy mistakes that we're making still. Um, but we will. And uh, these, we got great kids that'll that'll focus in on it. And you know, every every step that we take here is going to get harder and harder and harder. And uh, we got to eliminate the self-inflicting wounds. But when you have self-inflicting wounds and you win, it's great. Because I remember sitting up here going, it was self-inflicting wounds, and you got your tail kicked. And uh, winning is a heck of a lot better than that. What's the key to telling a player kind of sorts through a situation like that? Christian has a touchdown and just lost the ball. What's the key to just kind of keep him up? Well, it's going back to fundamentals. I mean, Christian didn't want to fumble that ball. None of those kids wanted to. And uh, it goes back to fundamentals, um, the details in practice. Uh, I thought we had a good week. I really did. And uh, thank goodness we had extra time. I know offensively we didn't score a bunch of points, but that was one of the tougher preps that I've had in my career. And uh, if without the extra time, there was no chance that uh, – we could even have done what we did tonight. It was a very hard prep, and you know the Miami of Ohio struggled to, to move the ball against these guys. And you know we did enough to to give ourselves an opportunity. Our defense played well. Special teams came up with an absolute huge play by TK, and uh, you know we punted the ball really, really well. And uh, so there's some uh, there's some really positive things and. Just like I told our team, it doesn't matter if we have to score 50 points or we have to score three. It doesn't matter. We'll just find a way to win. And uh, I'm happy for our kids, most importantly. You know, it's been tough. You know, it's been tough, tough, tough time around here. But um, we're going to be motivated, and uh, we've got a lot still to prove. Jordan Anderson, how great was it to get him back today? Oh, my gosh. Jordan's outstanding. And, you know, uh, he did a great job. He's a leader. He's smart. He's played a lot of football. I thought Chris Bacon was excellent. I think our defensive front was outstanding. I think our linebackers played well. Secondary hung in there. Um, <clears throat> I thought they they did all a great job on defense. Maybe one of their best performances. Uh, I thought they were outstanding. And uh, the guy that was the warrior today was Terran Keith. Without a doubt. I mean, just a, a warrior for lots of reasons that a lot of people don't know. What he, that kid went through these last 24 hours is uh, unbelievable. I didn't think he was going to play. And uh, he did it for one reason, his teammates. And I wouldn't have played. And I, and I, I mean, I wouldn't have. Um, my mind would have never been anywhere right. And uh, what he did... I'll never forget, and our team will never forget. So you just heard Scott Leffler's press conference. Bowling Green, a huge win over Western Michigan, 13-9. They now get ready for a big matchup next Wednesday night at Dwight Perry Stadium, 7 o'clock kickoff. They'll take on the Kent State Golden Flashes. It is the last home game this season at the Dwight, and it is going to be a big one for Bowling Green. 
one win away now, ladies and gentlemen. They are one away from being bull eligible and being in real. They're being real serious contention because of what we saw in action so far this week here in week 10 of college football. And Ball State on Tuesday beat Kent State 27 to 20. But the key th- key game on Tuesday was this one. Buffalo on the road at Ohio. Both teams top 2 in the MAC East. Winner of this will basically have the division Buffalo wins, they basically win the division. Ohio wins, it becomes a tie for the division. Ohio gets a huge 45 to 24 win over Buffalo. Goes down to 4 and 1 in the MAC play. So all three teams in the MAC East in the top are 4 and 1. Buffalo 4 and 1. Ohio 4 and 1. BG 4 and 1. Buffalo overall 5 and 4. Ohio 6 and 3. BG 5 and 4 overall. Then you have Ohio at two, Miami Ohio 2 and 3, Kent State 2 and 3, Akron 0 and 5 in conference play. They're 1 and 8 overall. Kent State is 3 and 6 and Miami of Ohio is 4 and 5 overall. So there's that. The other uh, MAC game yesterday that took place was Central Michigan battling uh, Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois falls to Central Michigan 35 to 22. Next week, here's the games next week, and I'm gonna get to the predictions too for Week 11. For it, by the way, I had Ball State, Ohio, Central Michigan, and BG. I was 4-0. My Week 11. Predictions for the Mid-American Conference are as follows. Eastern Michigan travels to Akron. That's a 7 o'clock kick on Tuesday. Akron 1-6. and six. Eastern 5-4. and four. I'm going to take Eastern Michigan in that game. Ohio, the Bobcats, who are 6-3 overall. 4-1 in MAC play. Go to Miami of Ohio, who are 4-5. 7-30 kick on ESPN2. I am going to take Ohio. To beat Miami of Ohio. And then the nightcap, 8 o'clock on the regular ESPN. You then have Ball State, the Fighting Football Cardinals, who are 5-4 and four overall, battling the University of Toledo, who is 6-3. They're on a bye this week in Week 10. 8 o'clock kick for that one. I'm going to take Ball State. And with Daquan Finn injured, and what we've been told, what I was told from a reliable source, is that his injury is a collarbone injury, which is a two to four week injury. This bye week will help him. He could be back for the Ball State game. He looks like he could be back for the Bowling Green game. That's what I'm thinking. If if that's the case, you know, it, it, it's open up. See, here's the situation. Uh, let me let me give let me give you the rest of the slate. Next Wednesday, Northern Illinois travels to Western Michigan. Seven o'clock kick that game on ESPNU. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Western Michigan in that game. Buffalo travels to Central Michigan. Seven o'clock kick on ESPN two. I'm gonna take Buffalo in that game. 
And then that leads to Bowling Green playing Kent State. Kent State 3-6, six, six, Bowling Green 5-4. If the defense holds again, I think Bowling Green wins, and I think they will. I'll take BG. So to recap, Week 11, Eastern Michigan, Ohio, Ball State, Western Michigan, Buffalo, and BG next week in the prediction for Week 11. Now that's the Mid-American Conference. Now here's why I say this. Say what I said a little bit ago. Okay, so Bowling Green needs to win this game against Kent State to be bowl eligible, and they need to stay with the pack. Now, if Bowling Green does win, they're bowl eligible with a record of, at the time, 6-4. and four. Okay, here's the situation. The last two games of the year are at Toledo, which we'll be at for the all Andy Alford tailgate and the battle of i-75 we will be there for that game the last game which will be taking place on the 25th of november will be at athens as bowling green battles ohio now that is a pivotal game in an aspect that bowling green still has to play ohio the tiebreaker between uh, buffalo and ohio right now is the game that just took place on Tuesday, if Ohio, if Buffalo and Ohio stay tied together, the head-to-head go up against each other, and Ohio will move to 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 Detroit for the MAC championship game. Now, I had to look at it. Buffalo's schedule after they play Central Michigan, they are at home against Akron, and then are at home against Kent State. So, you need Central Michigan to beat Buffalo this upcoming week. I have them winning this week. And then you go to Ohio's schedule. After their game this upcoming week against Miami of Ohio, they go to Ball State, and then they host Bowling Green to end the season. So, again, these are big games for BG because BG has... Kent State this upcoming week, then they're at Toledo and at Ohio. So that's huge. It's absolutely huge. And we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, it's going to shake out somehow, some way. So there's that. As you're listening to all of the offer tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever, whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. Let's dive into the rest of the college football spectrum. Let's dive into the Big Ten, of course. And let's talk about Ohio State, a huge win for the Buckeyes last week as they went into Happy Valley for the big noon Saturday kickoff on Fox as Ohio State, second-ranked in the country, went into Happy Valley to battle Penn State. And at one point, I was sitting there watching the game with the wife, and you know we were having some sub sandwiches and watching the game, and we're thinking to ourselves, hmm, you know, Ohio State doesn't look like Ohio State. But sure enough, the second half of the game, they, they, they just turned on the Jets. Scoring 31 unanswered in the second half alone. With 28 of the points coming in the fourth quarter. And... The defense shined for them in this game. With Travion Henderson's 41-yard run basically put them over the top. 
which was the game-winning play for them. Because then you had Kate Stover with a 24-yard pass from Strout, made it 30 to 21. Henderson, 37-21, and then JT Jacoco getting the interception return for the touchdown, making it 44-24. Penn State made it close late, but in the end, Ohio State proves to 8-0 and they're with their 44-31 win over Penn State. C.J. Stroud, 26 for 33 for 354 yards, one TD. Sean Clifford, 32 for 47, 371 yards, three touchdowns, but he had three interceptions in the game. Henderson, 16 carries for 76 yards, two TDs for Ohio State in the game. And by the way, uh, C.J. Stroud's QBR rating, 93.7. Ederson with two TDs in the game. Marvin Harrison Jr., 10 catches, 185 yards, no TDs. Stover, six catches, 78 yards, one TD. And Jigba, six catches, 53 yards, no TDs. For Clifford, like I mentioned before, 32 for 47 for 371 yards, three TDs, three interceptions. QBR rating of a 63.9. Allen had 12 carries for 76 yards, one TD. On the rushing side, on the passing side, Washington with 11 catches, 179 yards, one TD. Lombard, Stewart, two catches, 58 yards, one TD. Johnson, two catches, 57 yards, no TDs. Allen, two catches, 13 yards, one TD in the game. The overall team stat looks like this. Ohio State had 21 first downs to Penn State's 24. Penn State on third down was 6 for 16. They were 3 for 4 on fourth down. Ohio State was 4 for 12 on third down, a perfect 1 for 1. On fourth down, Ohio State at 452 yards total offense, 354 through the air, 98 yards on the ground. And that run defense for Penn State was going to be was brutal for them. Penn State 482 yards, 371 through the air, 111 on the ground. Penn State had six penalties for 50 yards. Ohio State eight penalties for 50 yards, but four turnovers in the game caused Penn State to lose this one with one fumble and three interceptions in the game. Penn State led in time of possession at 30 minutes and 26 seconds to Ohio State at 29 minutes and 34 seconds. Ohio State goes to 8-0. Penn State goes now to 6-2 overall. And then we get to the big night game, of course, and that is Michigan-Michigan State. A great I thought it was a great game, and I had Michigan State winning the game. I thought that little brother would get up for this game, and they did. They did for the first half. First quarter, they were up 7-3, but that was all the scoring that Michigan State had because Michigan just piled it on. Moody with the field goal to start, 3-0 Michigan, but then it was uh, Coleman with a 26-yard pass from Thorne. It's 7-3, but then after that, it was all Michigan. Corum with a two-yard pass from J.J. McCarthy. It's 10-7. Moody with the field goal late. makes it 13-7 at half. Moody then just kicks field goals. Third quarter, 16 to 7. And then he kicks a 33 yarder, makes it 19 to 7. Kicks a 20, 54 yarder to make it 22 to 7. But then Corum with the late run gets it into the end zone. 29 to 7 is the final. Paul Bunyan comes back to Ann Arbor. Now, I'll get to what you all want to meet my opinion on in just a second. Let me give you the rest of the stats. Peyton Thorne, 17 for 30 for 215 yards, one TD, one interception. QBR rating is 74.6. Collins with seven carries, 22 yards, no TDs. Reeds, one carry, 17 yards, no TDs. Coleman with five catches, 155 yards, one TD in the game. 
for him. Reed, four catches, 17 yards, no TDs in the game. For Michigan, for J.J. McCarthy, he was 15 for 25 for 167 yards, one TD, QBR rating of a 65.8. Corum had 33 carries for 177 yards, one TD in the game. McCarthy also ran the football for seven times for 50 yards. On the receiving core, Shoemaker, five catches, 70 yards, no TDs. Bell, four catches, 53 yards, no TDs. Edwards, three catches, 38 yards, no TDs. Overall team stats look like this. Michigan State had 11 first downs to West to uh, Michigan's 27. On third down, Michigan was 9 for 16. Uh, Michigan State, 2 for 11 on third down. Michigan State was 1 for 4 on fourth down efficiency, while Michigan was 1 for for one, Michigan had 443 total yards of offense, 167 through the air, 276 on the ground. For Michigan State, they had 252 yards of offense, 215 through the air, 37 yards on the ground. Seven penalties, 75 yards for Michigan State. Four penalties, 25 yards for Michigan. Both teams turned over the football one time uh, as Michigan fumbled and Michigan State threw an interception. Michigan State had... 19 minutes and 27 seconds with the football, while Michigan dominated the football at 40 minutes and 33 seconds. Michigan State with the loss now goes to 3-5. and five. Michigan with their win proves now to 8-0 overall. And then we get to what happened after the game. Okay. Let me, let me describe what happened after the game. Of course, if you haven't heard what happened after the game, as... At Michigan, there's only one way in and one way out for both teams. And the locker rooms are separated probably about, let's say about, maybe about a foot and a half to two feet difference on this long ramp. Uh, Michigan State was going up the ramp at the end of the game. Michigan fans and the players were celebrating. Uh, they got intermingled with each other and a fight broke out between four Michigan State players and one Michigan player. The Michigan State player using his helmet to beat a Michigan player. I, I'm not going to say you can't really tell who it was on the camera angle that ABC uh, had, but it was a huge fight. State police is now involved with it. The players that have four players from Michigan State have been suspended for it. It looks like there will be a criminal investigation on that. And to that I say... About this, there is no need for that in sports. No need whatsoever. I know this is a huge rivalry game for both universities and for the state of Michigan. But here's my situation with this. Nobody should have to be, there should not, there should be sense of order and discipline when it comes to situations like this. This is, an, this is a real issue in all college football and college sports. You see that Notre Dame has fixed their problem with that. If you remember back in the 1990s, when Mich when Notre Dame played Miami, Florida, and they had the huge fight in the tunnel, there was constant fights between teams. Notre Dame, in their remodel of their stadium, built a separate tunnel for the visiting team to come out and you know to not intermingle with with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. We now fast forward to what happened on Saturday night at the Big House. I think it's time that Michigan decides to do a remodel and to do a separate 
entrance for visiting teams. Because this isn't going to keep going. We've, we've seen this so many times with Michigan and Ohio State. We've seen it plenty of times in Michigan State and, in Ohio, and uh, Michigan. And we've seen it now. And there was some altercations between Penn State and Michigan. These kids, these young men, are riled up. And then you give the ammunition. Michigan gives the ammunition to just, you know, taunt and tease. And what, what, are, you, what are they supposed to do? Sure, they, uh, and I'm going to get criticized for the, what I'm saying. I know I am. But for me, it's not necess- it's necessary to find the separation. All right? I'll, I'll give you an example. At Bowling Green, at the arena, at the Slater Family Ice House. One way in, one way off the ice. Through the tunnel. Now, the visiting team, the home team comes out first because they're the closest to the locker locker room. Bowling Green comes out first, and then the visiting team has the long walk to the ice surface. Now, officials are on the ice at all times when it comes to that. Now, you saw it, you see it. At the end of the Michigan Michigan State game, officials walked the Michigan State players up the ramp. But once they get into the locker room, you know, they could come out of the locker room and start jawing. Well, the game's over. But it's not necessary to use your helmet as a weapon. Sure, Miles Garrett gets to, uh, 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 Miles Garrett gets to use that. And on Mason Rudolph. But it, it, it wasn't necessary to do that. And uh, Tate don't lie. And I'm, I'm glad that the University of uh, Michigan State University cracked down and found those players, held them responsible, suspended them. You know, and, and the criminal side of things, do you really think it's going to really happen? I, I, I doubt it. I think. Being off the team or being suspended from the team is enough. But the but the, the University of Michigan needs to consider the remodel. And or you put Michigan on the field first and then you take then the visiting team comes out. So we'll see. I mean, that, uh, that was a black mark for the game. Black mark for the game. Got to give this to, got to make mention of this as well. Notre Dame with a huge win over Dino Babers in Syracuse, 41-24. to In the Dome. Good to see that. Giving Syracuse their second loss. And, you know, Notre Dame's got a big test in front of them. We'll preview that here next as we recap week nine of the college football spectrum. Look ahead to week 10 and look at the first rankings of the college football playoff. It's now time to look ahead to week recap week nine of the college football spectrum, as well as take a look at the college football playoff rankings as 
The playoff committee had released their rankings, and let's take a look at Week 10 this week in college football. We begin, of course, with last Thursday as 24th ranked North Carolina State getting a huge win over Virginia Tech 22-21. 14th ranked Utah getting a huge win in Wazoo over Washington State 21-17. Then we get to Saturday's slate. 7th ranked TCU headed into West Virginia. Country Road, West Virginia, and TCU, the Horn Frogs, a big 41-31 win over West Virginia. Like I mentioned before, Notre Dame, a big 41-24 win over Syracuse. The biggest cocktail party in the in the country in Jacksonville, Florida, as the Florida Gators battle number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs. The Bulldogs getting the better of the Gators, 42-20. 8th-ranked Oregon getting a big 42-24 win over California. 22nd-ranked Kansas State took on 9th-ranked Oklahoma State and shut out Oklahoma State 48 to nothing. Unbelievable. 10th-ranked Wake Forest with Dave Clawson fall to Louisville 48-21. Unbelievable. That's an upset. That's a true upset. Besides the 9th-ranked Oklahoma State, Kansas State game. 20th ranked Cincinnati went into the castle, Central U.S. Central Florida, and USF, UCF, big 25-21 win over the Bobcats of Cincinnati. Missouri upsets 25th ranked South Carolina, the Gamecocks 23-10. You then had USC, 10th ranked of the country, beats Arizona 45 to 37, 15th ranked Ole Miss a 31-28 win over Texas A&M, 21st ranked North Carolina 42-24 win over Pitt, UCLA a 38-13 win over the Stanford Cardinals, and then you have Tennessee a big 44-7 win over Kentucky, absolutely annihilating the Wildcats in that affair. Looking at the Big Ten recap from Week Nine in college football. Besides Ohio State beating a 44-31 win over Penn State and Michigan beating up on Michigan State 29-7, it was 17th ranked Illinois, a big 26-9 win over the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Northwestern falls to Iowa 33-13, and the row the boat Minnesota Golden Gophers, a 31-0 win over the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. So then that leads us now into the college football playoff rankings that were released on Tuesday night, and it goes as follows. We'll go from the bottom up. 25th is UCF. 24th is Texas. 23rd is Oregon State. 22nd is NC State. Wake Forest is 21st. Syracuse is 20th. Tulane is 19th. Oklahoma State, 18th. North Carolina is 17th. Illinois is 16th. Penn State is 15th. Utah, 14th. Kansas State, 13th. UCLA is 12th. Ole Miss 11, and LSU is 10th ranked. Now getting into the top 10. USC is 9th. Oregon is 8th. TCU is 7th. Alabama is 6th. Michigan at 5. Clemson at 4. Georgia at 3. Ohio State is 2nd ranked. And the Tennessee Volunteers are the number one ranked team in the college football playoff ranking. Now, to be honest with you, I, I kind of didn't like the college football playoff ranking 
if if I was on the committee, my my six would be this. Number one would be Georgia. Two is Ohio State. Three is Tennessee. Four is TCU. Five is Clemson. Michigan is sixth. I think TCU is a lot better. A lot better than Clemson at 8 0. So there's that for you guys. So now that sets up week 10 in the college football spectrum, and we will now break down the top 25 games and hear my predictions for the top 25 games as well as the Big Ten slate for this weekend. We begin tomorrow night with 23rd-ranked Oregon State battling the Washington Huskies, both teams 6-2 overall, 10-30 kick on ESPN2. Washington is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I am taking the Huskies of Washington in that game. Big noon Saturday, the 12 o'clock kick on Fox. Sees Texas Tech, 4-4 overall, battling 7th-ranked TCU. I'm actually going to take the Red Raiders to beat TCU. I think Texas Tech is pretty good. They always play TCU very, very tough. It's a rivalry game for them. I'm going to take Texas Tech in that game. 17th ranked North Carolina heads down to Virginia, the Battle of the Musketeers. Virginia 3-5, North Carolina 7-1. North Carolina 7-point favorite in the game. I'm taking the Tar Heels in that one. 19th ranked Tulane, 7-1 overall, travels down to Tulsa. Battle of the Hurricanes. Tulane, a seven and a half point favorite. Noon kick on ESPNU. I'm going to take Tulane in that game, which sets up the big 330 kickoffs. And this one is a huge one for all standings. Number one ranked Tennessee. The Volunteers at 8 0 travel to the Hedges, which is Georgia, who is 8 0 as well. 330 kick on CBS. Georgia, an eight-point favorite. I'm taking Tennessee. Tennessee has showed me a lot this season. I think they're a very good team this year. I'm going to take the Volunteers of Tennessee to beat Georgia in that game, giving Georgia their first loss. I'm taking Tennessee to beat Georgia in that game. Eighth-ranked Oregon travels out to Colorado. Oregon, 7-1. Colorado, 1-7. Oregon, a 31.5-point favorite. I'm taking Oregon. In that game. 18th ranked Oklahoma State travels to Kansas. Oklahoma State 6-2 overall. Just being upset by Kansas State. Kansas 5-3. Kansas a one point favorite in this game. I'm going to take Gundy's boys in Oklahoma State. You know what? Never mind. I'm going to take Kansas. I think I'll take Kansas in that game. I'm taking Kansas. 20th ranked Syracuse 6-2 overall. Travels to Pitt. The Battle of the Panthers, Pitt 4-4, four four, Syracuse 6-2, Pitt 4-point favorite. I'm going to take the Syracuse to bounce back after the Notre Dame loss. 25th ranked UCF, 6-2 overall battles Memphis, who is 4-4. Four four. UCF 3.5-point favorite, 330 kick on ESPN2. I'm going to take UCF in that game, which sets up the late game, 7 o'clock kicks. We'll first start off with this one on FS1. 24th ranked Texas battles 13th ranked Kansas State. Kansas State 6-2, Texas 5-3. Texas a 2.5 point favorite. I am, I am taking in the game Kansas State. In the game, Kansas State. 
course. And then that sets up, of course, the 7.30 kick. Arizona travels to Utah, 14th-ranked Utah. Utah 6-2, Arizona 3-5. Utah 17.5-point favorite. I am taking Utah in that game. 21st-ranked Wake Forest battles 22nd-ranked NC State. Both teams 6-2. Both teams looking to get a huge win. Wake a three-and-a-half point favorite. I am taking NC State to beat Wake Forest in that game. And then you have these big kicks, of course. We're going to start with the 7 o'clock kick as six-ranked Alabama, the Crimson Tide. Roll Tide, Bama. Sorry, Marl. I have my, Mar my cat, Marl, is in the room right now. 7-1 overall. Takes on the 10th-ranked LSU Tigers. We're 6-2. Alabama, 13.5 point favorite in this game. I think Brian Kelly gets his boys up for this game. I'm taking LSU to beat 6-ranked Alabama. Give me Alabama their second loss and knocking them out of the college football playoff for the first time. And then you get to this. 7-30 kick as 4th-ranked Clemson. 8-0. Travels to Notre Dame. Who is five and three? Clemson, a three and a half point favorite in this game. I'm going to take the Irish, and I'm going to say why. Game time temperature: it will be 54 degrees with rain. It's going to be a cold, rainy night. It goes to the favor of the Irish. I am taking Notre Dame to beat Clemson, and I'm not being a homer about it. I'll be straight with you guys. You know, I'm straight with you guys. I think Notre Dame can beat Clemson. Clemson struggled against uh, against Wake Forest. They struggled against Syracuse. They will lose this game to Notre Dame. USC hosts California, 10-30 kick. I think I have the Trojans. And then the recap to end it for the top 25, UCLA goes out to Arizona State. UCLA 11-point favorite. I'm taking UCLA in that game. So then that sets up the Big Ten slate for you guys tonight. As Minnesota travels to Nebraska, noon kick on ESPN2. Minnesota 16-point favorite. I'm taking Minnesota. Purdue hosts Iowa. FS1, noon kick. Purdue a 3.5-point favorite. I'm taking the Boilermakers in that game. 6-2, Maryland travels to Wisconsin. Wisconsin, a five-point five favorite in that game. I am taking Maryland to beat Wisconsin. You have 15th-ranked Penn State traveling to Indiana. 3.30 kick on ABC. Penn State, a 14-point favorite. I am taking Penn State in the game. You have 16th-ranked Illinois. 7-1 overall, hosting Michigan State. 3.30 kick. Illinois is 17-point favorite in that game. I am taking the Illini of Illinois. Brent Bielema's got something going there. I think they're going to be playing in Indianapolis against either Ohio State and Michigan. But speaking of Michigan, Michigan travels to Rutgers. 7.30 kick on Big Ten Network. Michigan a 26-point favorite against the Scarlet Knight. I'm taking Michigan, plain and simple. And then the noon kick, of course, is... The Ohio State University, 8-0 overall, travels to Chicago, to Northwestern University. Northwestern 1-7 overall. Ohio State a 38.5-point favorite. The over-under is 57. 
Definitely going to take the over. And definitely going with Ohio State. Plain and simple. So, to recap it all. Washington, Texas Tech, North Carolina, Tulane, Tennessee, Oregon, Kansas, Syracuse, UCF, LSU over Alabama, Kansas State, Notre Dame over Clemson, Utah, NC State over Wake, UCLA, USC, and then the Big Ten, Minnesota, Purdue, Maryland, Penn State, Illinois, Michigan, and Ohio State. And like I recapped before in week 10 of the of the MAC, I have Ball State, Ohio, Central Michigan, and BG with their wins. I'm 4-0 in that. For week 11, I have Eastern Michigan, Ohio, Ball State, Western Michigan, Buffalo, and Bowling Green to win their games. And that is the college football spectrum right here on All Andy Offer tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. And now let's dive into some more football. Let's talk some National Football League. And oh, let's talk about the LOL Lions right after this promo. Hello, friends. This is Andy Alford, the host of All Andy Alford. I want to talk to you today about my good friends down at the Libby Glass Factory Outlet Store. And yes, my friends, you waited for this. Besides the big warehouse sale that they just had, and a lot of that product is still available, it's that time, my friends. It is the friends and family sale. This is the one right before Thanksgiving that you've all been waiting for. Get all your supplies for Thanksgiving, whether it be dinnerware, glassware, beer glasses for the big games. Libby Glass Factory Outlet Store is the store for you. Visit them down at the warehouse district. That's 205 South Erie Street. In downtown Toledo in the Warehouse District, remember to follow them on Facebook at Libby Glass Factory Outlet Store. That's Libby Factory Outlet Store on Facebook. Find that friends and family code. Show that at the register, and you'll get get this 30% off your total purchase. Holidays are right around the corner. Christmas is here. So visit the Libby Glass Factory Outlet Store in the Warehouse District, 205 South Erie Street in downtown Toledo. Libby Glass Factory Outlet Store, setting your table right for more than 100 years. Yes, the Libby Glass Factory Outlet Store, friends and family sale, started on the 3rd of November. A lot of good stuff. They got a lot of the Christmas items are now out. Get it while it's there. It is, you know, I was talking to the uh, manager over there. Her name's Holly. She's got a lot of Christmas items out there. And she's having a lot of shipping problems with regarding to it. So when it's out, it's out. So get it while it's out and get that deal while we have it right for you guys. 30% off. Go on to their Facebook page. We'll share it on our Facebook account as well. Show them that at the register, 30% off your total purchase. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be fantastic. It's fantastic. As uh, you're watch- listening to all Andy Elford tonight, almost said watching, Listening to all Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's talk a little bit of the National Football League. Let's talk about the Lions. And I don't want to talk about the Lions all that much. I'm not going to dive into it because I, I don't want to argue. With, I don't want to be angry. 
I had a great night last night with Beachy Wing, and now we're going to have talk about this pathetic football. You know, being up 27-17 to 17 at halftime, I figured, you know, there's a good possibility we win this game. Good, strong possibility we're going to win this game. But, again, the defense, again, the defense, again, Killing it. Killing me. It's Jalen Waddle's catch in the second quarter. He had two touchdowns in the game. And then Matt, Mike Gusecki's 11-yard pass from Tua just basically killing the opportunity for the Lions. And that was the game. Miami beats the Lions 31-27. Looking at it, Tua coming off a great game was good in this one. 29 for 36 for 382 yards, three TDs, no interceptions, QBR rating of a 92.8. Mozart, 14 carries, 64 yards, no TDs. Tua ran the football five times for 19 yards. Tyreek Hill, 12 catches, 188 yards, no TDs. Waddle, eight catches, 106 yards, two TDs. Gasecki, Three catches, 38 yards, one TD. Lions in the game. Goff, eh, decent. 27 for 37, 321, one TD, no interceptions. QBR rating, uh, 62.8. Williams had good carries. He carried the football, put, put it in the end zone twice. 10 carries for 53 yards, two TDs. TJ Hawkinson, three catches, 80 yards, no TDs. Raymond, three catches, 76 yards, no TDs. And TJ Hawkinson, who now got traded from the Lions to the to the Vikings. His final game as a Detroit Lion, he had three catches for 80 yards, no TDs. It was DeAndre Swift with five catches, 27 yards, one TD. Raymond, three catches, 76 yards, no TDs. St. Brown, seven catches, 69 yards, no TDs in the game. Uh, the overall team stats look like this. The Lions had 22 first downs to Minnesota, to uh, uh, Miami's 27. On third down, the Lions were 4 for 9. Miami was 8 for 12. Miami was 1 for 1. On fourth down, the Lions 1 for 2. The Lions had 393 total yards of offense, 311 through the air, 82 yards on the ground. For Miami, 478, 76th was the total yards, 369 through the air, 107 on the ground, seven penalties for 55 yards for Miami, six penalties, 30 yards for the Lions. They had one turnover of the game. The Lions, uh, the Dolphins did with a fumble. The Lions did not have any turnovers. The Lions uh, had 25 minutes, 30 seconds in time of possession to the Miami Dolphins, 34 minutes and 22 seconds. So the Lions now fall. To one and six, Miami with their win is now five and three, and the the process and the rebuild continues for the Detroit Lions. However, on the other side of the lake, of course, the the Cleveland Browns a huge win on Monday Night Football on Halloween as Nick Chubb runs in for two touchdowns, and the Browns for the first time this season, I think, are finally putting together a winning winning momentum. But is it false hope? I think it is, of course, the season. Uh, Chubb with a good run in the second quarter. It was nothing, nothing after 
15 minutes. Chubb gets it in, and he ran in for the two-point conversion. It was 8-0. Cade York kicks a field goal right before halftime, and it's 11-0. Jacoby Brissett with a three-yard run gets it 18-0. Amari Cooper gets the pass from Brissett in the third quarter, making it 25-0. And then Joey B. Joe Burrow capitalizes, getting a, a touchdown pass to Tyler Boyd. The extra point fails. It's 25-6. Chubb then runs it in to put the capper on it, making it 32-6. Burrow makes it close at the end, but in the end, the Browns, a big 32-13 win over the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday Night Football in Cleveland. As Joey Burrow was 25-35 for for 232 yards, two TDs, one interception, QBR rating with a 17.6. Can't really have that happen all that much. Joe Mixon, eight carries, 27 yards. It was Higgins with three catches, 49 yards, one TD. Hurst, four catches, 42 yards, no TDs. Boyd, three catches, 38 yards, one TD in the game. For Jacoby Brissett and the Browns, he was 17 for 22 for 278. One TD, no interceptions. QBR rating of an 81.3. As Nick Chubb, again, solid. 23 carries, 101 yards, two TDs. Kareem Hunt, 11 carries, 42 yards, no TDs. Brissett ran it in one time. He ran for six Six attempts for 12 yards, one TD. As Amari Cooper had five catches for 131 yards, one TD. Donovan Peoples-Jones, four catches, 81 yards, no TDs. Kareem Hunt, four catches, 30 yards, no TDs. The overall team stats looked like this. The Browns had 24 first downs to the Bengals, 15. On third down, the Browns were three uh, for eight for 13. The Bengals, four for 10. Bengals 0 for 1 on 4th down. The Browns did not take a 4th down attempt. The Browns had 440 total yards of offense. Most of that on the passing side at 268 yards. And on the ground, 172 for the Bengals. They had 229 total yards of offense. 193 through the air, 36 on the ground. Browns 6 penalties, 56 yards. The Bengals 2 penalties for 6 yards. Both teams had 2 turnovers in the game a fumble, and a interception. But the Browns led in time of possession, 36 minutes and 45 seconds. The Bengals, 23 minutes and 15 seconds. The Browns with the win goes to 3-5. and five. Bengals with the loss now goes to 4-4. Four and four. With that all set in mind, let's take a look and recap rest of Week 8 and preview Week 9 in the National Football League. It's time! Time to recap! Week 8 and preview Week 9 in the National Football League. Whoop! We begin with Thursday Night Football as it was Lamar Jackson. I'm the MVP. Took on Tampa Tom and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And for the first time in Tom Brady's career, he has lost three straight games. As Lamar Jackson in the game was a solid. 27 for 38 for 238 yards, two TDs as Tampa Tom. 26 for 44 for 325 yards, one TD. Tampa falls to Baltimore. 27-22. Jackson shines over Brady. Whoop! We then head to Sunday as we head top of the morning to you. Welcome to London, England. As it was, let's ride, Bronco Nation. Denver Broncos led by Russell Wilson taking on I'm touchdown Jesus Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars 
And Russell Wilson finds a way. The Broncos offense stalled all has stalled all season long. But they found a way at Wembley to get the job done. As Russell Wilson was 18 for 30 for 252 yards, one TD. And Trevor Lawrence, 18 for 31 for 133 yards. He threw two picks in the game. But it was all, it was a Bronco madness as they beat up on the Jacksonville Jaguars, 21-17. We then head into the Sunday afternoon slate as it was Marcus Mariota and the Atlanta Falcons taking on the Carolina Panthers. And it was a barn burner of a game as Carolina goes back and forth. A deep pass. With 12 seconds left to go to DJ Moore, a 62-yard pass to tie the game. Leave your helmet on. Personal foul penalty. The field goal for Eddie Pinero misses. They go to overtime. And Atlanta, on the second possession, gets a 41-yard field goal to give Carolina their sixth loss of the season. Atlanta in overtime, 37-34 over the Panthers. Whoop! We then head down to Cherry World. I'm Jared Jones. As it was the Dallas Cowboys. How are Cowboys? Taking on the Bears, led by Justin Golden Fields. And it was all Cowboys in this game. And Dak Prescott gives the ball to Zeke. And Zeke puts it up. It was all Cowboys in this game. How about them Cowboys? A CD Lamb with 21-yard pass caps it all off. As Fields 17 for 23 for 151 yards, two TDs. Dak Prescott 21 for 27 for 250 yards, two TDs, one interception. As the boys get to six and two with a 49-29 win over the Bears. Whoop! We then head out to Minnesota. Skull. Skull! Skull! As he take on I'm the child Kyle Mary. And the Arizona Cardinals! And Kirk Cousins gets the job done. As he was 24 for 36 for 232 yards, two TDs as the child Kyle Murray. 31 for 44 for 326 yards, three TDs, two interceptions. As the Vikings get improved to 6 and 1. With a 34-26 win over the Arizona Cardinals. We then head on down to Nolans. As it was Derek Carr and just win, baby. Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Saints. And the Aints were actually the Saints. As they shut out the Raiders. 24 to nothing. As Derek Carr, 15 for 26 for only 101 yards, one interception. Andy Dalton, 22 for 30. Ginger Jesus himself, 229 yards, three, two TDs in the game. That's the Saints, a 24-0 over the Raiders. We then head up to up to the Meadowlands. As it was the Zach Wilson banging moms and taking names. New York Jets taking on what's the process? New England Patriots in the Meadowlands. And it was all Bill Belichick. As he passes George Hallis for the most career wins. It's Nick Folk 
was the folk hero. Field goal after field goal after field goal. Four field goals in the game helps the Patriots to a 22-17 win over the J-E-T-S. Now sucks, sucks, sucks. New England 4-4. Four four. The Jets still 5-3. Woo! We then head up to Lincoln Financial as it was Jalen Hurts and the Fly, Eagles, fly on the road to victory. Taking on, and Kenny Pickett, Evan Pittsburgh Steelers, and Jersey Jerry's team absolutely sucks. Kenny Pickett, bench. It was all Jalen Hurts in the game. As Hurts was 20, 19 for 28 for 285 yards, four TDs in the game. Kenny Pickett, 25 for 38 for 191 yards, one TD. The Fly Eagles fly to a perfect 7-0 mark as they weed up on their in-state rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers, 35-13. Woo! We then head down to Houston. Houston, Houston. And it is tighten up as the Tennessee Titans come into Reliance Stadium to take on the Houston Texans. And the Titans... Led by Derrick Henry. Give the ball to Henry. He'll capitalize. As he had 32 carries for 219 yards, 2 TDs. As it was all Titans with a 17-10 win over the Houston Texans. Woo! We then head into Indianapolis as is we're back. Texas quarterback, former quarterback Sam Helliger getting his debut. He was 17 for 23 for 201 yards. But Taylor Heineke was so much better. As the Commanders get a 17-16 win, Heineke with a good game-winning touchdown run. With 22 seconds left to go in the game, propelling the Commanders to a 4-4 mark, giving the Colts their fourth loss of the season. Oh, baby. Then we head up to over to SoFi, where San Francisco takes on the Rams and Christian McCaffrey, he could throw it, catch it, run it, and do it all for the Niners. His second game with the Niners, he capitalized as McCaffrey, 18 carries for 94 yards, one TD. Garoppolo, 21 for 25 for 300, 235 yards, two TDs. Stafford, 22 for 33, 167 yards, one TD. It was all. 49ers in this game. The Niners go to 4-4 four four with a 31-14 win over the Rams. The Rams are not going to make it. Woohoo! We head up to the 12th man to see Gino taking on the G-Man. And the Seahawks give the Giants who are running high Becoming giants of themselves. Their second loss of the season. As the Seahawks getting a 27-13 win over those G-Men. As Derek Jones, maybe Daniel Jones, 17 for 31 for 176 yards. But Gino, 23 for 34 for 212 yards. Two TDs in the game. The Seahawks, a 27-13 win. They now are 5-3 and lead the division. Woohoo! We then head to Sunday Night Football on NBC. The, G, the Green Bay Packers taking on the Bills. And it was a Josh Allen performance in the defense staying strong. 
That's Josh Allen, 13 for 25 for 218 yards, two TDs. He had two interceptions. But Aaron Rodgers, 19 for 30, 203, two, tenor, two TDs, one interception. As Dobbs and Torrey were the only scorers for the Packers, it was all Buffalo because nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. The Bills, with their win, 27-17, are now 6-1 and one and are the front runner in the AFC to get to Lombardi's trophy. Woohoo! We then head to Monday Night Football, and on the lake, like I mentioned before, the Browns beat up on Joey Briero and the Bengals 32-13. And that is Week 8's recap right here in the National Football League. We now move to Week 9 of the NFL slate, and now let's take a look at the games in Week 9. We first start off with Thursday Night Football. As the Philadelphia Eagles travel down to Houston to take on the Houston Texans. I'm taking the Eagles in this game. We get to the Sunday primetime games. Slate games look like this. The LA Chargers led by Justin Herbert head into Atlanta to battle the Marcus Mariota Atlanta Falcons. The Chargers a three-point favorite in this game. I am taking the Chargers in that one. 1 o'clock kick on CBS sees the 5-3 Miami Dolphins heading into Soldier Field to take on the Chicago Bears who are 3-5. Miami 4.5 point favorites in this game. I am taking Miami in this one. Cincinnati travel, uh, travels home after they're beat up by the Browns. They're 4-4. Four four. They'll host the Carolina Panthers. Seven uh, 1 o'clock kick. Cincinnati a 7 point favorite in the game. It's going to be a wet one down in, in Cincy. I'm going to take the Bengals in that game. Indianapolis travels up to Foxborough to take on Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. The Patriots are a five-point favorite in this game. Patriots four and four. The Colts three, four, and one. I'm going to take the Colts to beat the Patriots in this game. One o'clock kick on CBS. The Buffalo Bills six and one headed into the Meadowlands to take on the J-E-T-S. Sucks, sucks, sucks. Buffalo, 11.5 point favorite. I am taking the Bills in this game. Minnesota, 6-1 overall, heads into Washington to take on the Commanders. Minnesota, a three-point favorite in this game. One o'clock kick on Fox. I am taking the Minnesota Vikings. One o'clock kick in Jacksonville as Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars take on Derek Carr. And the Los, and the Las Vegas Raiders. Both teams looking for their third win of the season. The Raiders a one and a half point favorite. I am taking the Jags in that one. What sets up the prime game? The one o'clock kick on Fox. As the three and five Green Bay Packers, led by Aaron Rodgers, take on the one and six Detroit Lions. Green Bay, only a three and a half point favorite in this game. I am taking the Green Bay Packers. Let's look at the four o'clock slate for you guys. Three games in the four o'clock, two games in the four o'clock slate. Seattle travels out to Arizona to battle the Cardinals. 405 kick. Seattle five and three. The Cardinals three and five. Arizona, a two-point favorite in this game. I am taking the Seahawks to beat the Cardinals. 425 on CBS. 
It's the three and four Los Angeles Rams taking on the three and five Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs a three point favorite. I am going to think the winning streak, the losing streak for Tom Brady ends at three. Tampa to beat the Rams, which sets up Sunday night football as the five and two Tennessee Titans travel up to Arrowhead to take on Patty Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. And the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City, a 12.5 point favorite. I am taking the Chiefs over the Titans, which sets up Monday Night Football. It's the Baltimore Ravens, 5 and 3 overall. Travel down to the former Superdome to take on the New Orleans Saints. Baltimore, a 2.5 point favorite in this game. I'm going to take Lamar Jackson and the, New or- and the Baltimore Ravens to beat the Saints. So to recap, I have the Eagles, Chargers, Dolphins, Bengals. Colts, Buffalo, Minnesota, Jacksonville, Green Bay, Seattle, Tampa, Kansas City, and Baltimore. Those are my picks for Week 9 and the recap of Week 8 in the National Football League. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope that you guys enjoy the rest of the college, uh, rest of the NFL slate. As this has been a recap of Week 8 and previewing Week 9 in the National Football League. So you just heard the recap from week eight and previewing week nine of the NFL slate as you're listening to all Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Leaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. And now it's time to hit the ice. It's time for the latest Jackets report. It's time to fire the cannon and it's time to put on your jackets. It's time for the Jackets Report, right here on All Andy Alfred. So it's now time for the latest Jackets Report right here on All Andy Alfred tonight as the Jackets are on a brief hiatus a little bit as they get ready for their Global Series game tomorrow afternoon in or tomorrow night in Finland, but it'll be afternoon for us. But let's recap where we last left you for the Jackets. The Jackets were coming off of their loss the previous week as they took on the as they got ready to take on the let's see here yep they got ready to take on the Boston Bruins and the Bruins at Nationwide Arena putting a shellacking on the Columbus Blue Jackets it was all Bruins in this game as Grissett getting his first from Zaka and Pasternak making it one nothing after 20 minutes of play and then Charlie Coyle, his third unassisted shorthanded, making it 2 nothing. And then Jake DeBrusque getting his third of the season, making it 3 nothing. And then David Pasternak getting his seventh of the season from Bergeron, making it a 4 nothing game. That was the final at Nationwide Arena as the Jackets get shut out by the Boston Bruins by a score of 4 to nothing. They were outshot in the game 35-30 to on the faceoff dot. They were... 58% was in favor of the Bruins to 42% for the Jackets. Jackets were 0 for 3 on the power play. The Bruins 0 for 2. Jackets had four, only 4 minutes of penalties. The Bruins dominated in hitting 23 to 18. They outblocked the Jackets 19 to 17. 
the Bruins just basically ran the game and they had no gas. The no gas for the Jackets. The Jackets fall in this game as it was Elvis Merslinka stopping 25 of 29 in the game. His save percentage of a .862. Tarasov came in, stopped all six shots that he faced. But for the Bruins, it was uh, Mark stopping all 30 shots, getting the shutout in the game. He was the number one star for the game against the Jackets. And then the Jackets then head out to New Jersey for a big game against the Devils. On the day before Halloween, we figured that this would be the final game before they hit the road for the Global Series game. They were absolutely humiliated, beaten up, pulverized by the Devils in the second half of this game. They like they the, the Jackets felt I felt like the Jackets in this game went to the airport. They went to the airport in this game. They checked up. They knew that they were getting on the plane going to Finland. Because this was embarrassing. Sutherland getting his first of the season from Heshmeyer. It's 1-0. Heshner getting his fourth of the season in the second period. It's 2-0. Graves getting his first from Brett and Hughes on the wrist shot. Making it 3-0 Devils. And Igor Chinnikov getting his second for the Jackets. Getting on the board. From Sillinger and Johnson, it's 3-1 Devils, 629-39 mark of the second period. But then it was all Devils after that. Marino unassisted, it's 4-1. Basically, the the Jackets let uh, let Elvis Merslinkets out to dry in this game. And I felt bad for Elvis. He stopped 46-53. His save percentage of a .868. For the Devils... It was Vanek, 20 of 21, save percentage of a .952. The overall, the Devils had 53 shots on net. That's unacceptable. 21 shots for the Jackets. The Jackets, 45% of the faceoff dot to the Devils, 55% of the faceoff dot. The Devils, 1 for 3 on the power play. Columbus, 0 for 2. Columbus did out-hit the Devils, 27-13. They out-blocked the Devils, 21-12. to The Devils had 2... Giveaways to Columbus's four, and they had seven takeaways to Columbus's five. The Jackets had five shots alone in the first period. The Devils had 20. The Devils had 11 shots in the second. Columbus had seven. And the Devils had 22 shots in the third period, only nine in the third for the Jackets. So I asked this question. As we get into the Global Series game, which will be tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock against the defending Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche. Okay. I'm going to say this. I think Larson's getting fired. I, 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 I think the capability of this team... He's honestly the scapegoat. How this team is reacting and how they're playing is just... I, I, I just don't understand what's going on. I really don't. This is, this is embarrassing. And this is scary because how good this team is with the amount of talent that this team has, 
you know, this game should be interesting to watch tomorrow night, tomorrow afternoon and Saturday afternoon. Will I watch it Saturday afternoon with college football? Probably not. I'll probably watch majority of it tomorrow with their with it being the one premier game. The the Jackets are the home team on Saturday. They're the road team tomorrow. Playing back-to-back days against Colorado in Finland. I think the Jackets are going to let Larson go. They're going to fire Larson. And I think this is going to come after this global series. I, I, I just think, and with the schedule ahead, they've got that, and then they've got four days in between. They don't play again until the 10th next Thursday against Philadelphia. Then they're in New York to battle the Islanders. And then they play Philly again on the 15th, Montreal on the 17th, Detroit on the 19th, and then the next night they play Florida. It's tough. It's tough. But I just I just don't think... I, I like Larson. I like him. I like his coaching style. I think it with the young team that he has now, but now we got veterans. I just think it's it's not gelling. It's not gelling. It's not working. And that's 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 what's scary with this whole situation. You know, we are three seven and zero. Oh. 3-7-0. The three wins this year so far with this team. Nashville, Vancouver, Rangers. It's unacceptable. We have been outscored in the last two games. 11-1. to Unacceptable. If you go back even more, when we lost to Arizona the week the week of, on that Tuesday night, we lost six to three. If you add that, we're out being outscored seventeen to four. It's unacceptable. It's really unacceptable. And I, I just don't know what else to say. Enjoy the. I'm gonna enjoy these games from Finland. You know, line A coming back home. Corpus, I, I hope Corpus Salo gets a start. Either it be the Saturday game or tomorrow afternoon's game. Corpy deserves a start in his home country. So there's that. News and notes around the National Hockey League for you guys. Tonight. Right here on All Andy Alford. We're doing the show. Uh, remember, November, besides being Movember, it's also Hockey Fights Cancer Month uh, this month. So there's that. Uh, let's see here. Let 
any new big news to pass along to you guys right here. Trevor Segris has been fired, fined $1,500 for his actions in the Ducks game uh, as he was as he slashed Matt Benning. He's been fined $1,500 for that. Uh, looks also like Casey Sagers has been fined $5,000 for interference on Blackhawk gold, goaltender Alex, Alex Stackhawk. So there's that. That's a pretty big fine right there. Uh, looks like it's uh, Ole Palak is out indefinitely for the New Jersey Devils after the forward had a groin, sur- groin surgery on Tuesday. Um, let's see here. Other uh, The Winter Classic logos have been released. The Boston Bruins are going to wear a Boston with a bear on the bottom of it, and Pittsburgh is going to wear like a slanted, like a talisized P for their jerseys. So that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, scores to pass along to you guys tonight as we're in the doing the show. We have one final as we speak right now. It is actually just gone final. The Golden Knights are winner 5-4 over the Ottawa Senators right now. End of the second period is 2-2 between the Montreal Canadiens and the Winnipeg Jets. Nothing, nothing between the Hawks and the Hawks and the Kings. We're just starting overtime as the Hurricanes and the Lightning are tied at three apiece. The Bruins are up 4-2 on the New York Rangers. Islanders up 4-1 on the Blues. The Kraken up 3-0 on the Minnesota Wild. At the end of the one, it is 1-0 Predators over the Flames. New Jersey 1-1 at halfway through the first period in Edmonton. And the final one final tonight, it was the Red Wings, a winner 3-1 over the Washington Capitals as they're honoring the 1996-1997 Stanley Cup championship team. Late game, later games tonight, San Jose is in Flor- San Jose is hosting Florida 10:30. Arizona is hosting Dallas 10 o'clock drop for that one. Vancouver is hosting Anaheim for a 10 o'clock drop. In that one, the updated standings look like this. Look at it in the top three teams in the Atlantic. It's led by the Boston Bruins, who are nine and one with eighteen points. Buffalo seven and three with fourteen points, and the Tampa Bay Lightning at six and four with twelve points. Metropolitan sees the Devils at seven and three with fourteen points. The Rangers at six three and two with fourteen points. Carolina six two and one with thirteen points. Wild card led by the Islanders at six four and zero with twelve points. The Flyers are 5-3 and 2 with 12 points. Detroit on the outside looking in at 5-3 and 2 with 12 points. Toronto 5-4 and 2 with 12 points. Washington 5-5 and 2 with 12 points. The Florida Panthers are 5-4 and 1 with 11 points. Montreal 5-5 and 0 with 10 points. Pittsburgh 4-5 and 2 with 10 points. Ottawa 4-5 and 0 with 8 points and Columbus at 3-7 and 0 with 6 points. They're the worst team in the Eastern Conference right now. You cannot have that happen. They're being outscored differential is negative 18. Western Conference looks like this. Central Division is led by the Dallas Stars at 6-3-1 with 13 points. Winnipeg 5-3-1 with 11 points. Minnesota 5-4-1 with 11 points. Pacific Division led by the Golden Knights at 10-2-0 with 20 points. Edmonton 7-3-0 with 14 points. Seattle 5-4-2 with 12 points. Wildcard race... Sees the Kings at 6 6 0 with 12 points. Calgary 5 3 0 with 10 points. The Chicago Blackhawks at 4 4 2 with 10 points. Colorado 4 4 1 with 9 points. 
Arizona 3-5 and 1 with 7 points. You have Nashville at 3-6 and 1 with 7 points. Anaheim 3-6 and 1 with 7 points. San Jose 3-8 and 1 with 7 points. St. Louis 3-5 and 0 with 6 points. And Vancouver 2-6 and 2 with 6 points. It's early in the season, so take it as you may. And that is the latest news and notes around the National Hockey League. The scores as well. And that is the Jackets report right here. On all Andy Alford tonight, as you're listening to the program right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now let's hit the pond, the walleye return to the hunt to the bank tank this weekend, and let's preview the walleye roundup. It's time to hit the pond. It's time for the Walleye Roundup, right here on All Andy Alfred. Now time for the latest Walleye Roundup, right here on All Andy Alfred, as the Walleye get ready for their home opener which is Saturday night. We will be at the Bank Tank for this big game as they'll take on the Cincinnati Cyclones. 7-15 puck drop for that one. But before we get into all that, let's recap. The fish have been on the ice since then. And the fish are actually capitalizing on their opportunities on the ice as they got ready for a big series. They went out to Wheeling to start the season off. And they get a big 5-3 win over the Wheeling Nailers on the 21st, 22nd of October. All led by the big Gordy Meyer goal in the second period to give him a 3-2 lead. He took it and did the Michigan, capitalizing at the 16-07 mark of the period. It did start off with Wheeling jumping out to an early 3-0 lead, but the fish were all over him after that. Scoring two in the second, three in the third. The Fish getting a big 5-3 win. They outshot Wheeling in the game 30-25. The Fish were 1-for-2 on the power play. Wheeling was 0-for-2. It was Costa get stopping 22-of-25. The game Nippler was, excuse me, Nappler was the, game, was the losing goaltender for Wheeling. He stopped 25 of 30 in the game, Green, Gordy Green, Mitchell Hurd, Bratton, and Gordy Meyer, as well as Lucas Craigs, who scored the power play goal, all score for the Fish in game one as the Fish getting a big 5-3 win over the Wheeling Nailers. We then fast forward then to the second game of the series, which was the next night on the 23rd of October. As they took on the same Wheeling Nailers team, as they got a big 4-2 win in that affair as well, too. Meyer again getting a second of the season from Ebling and Hawkins to start off the scoring for the Fish. The Fish jump out to an early 3-0 lead after 20 minutes of play from Bliss, his first, and Lucas Craig's his second. Wheeling capitalized with DaVinci getting his first as well as Jocelyn getting his first, but Gordy Green getting his second goal of the season in the third period, putting it away for the Fish. From Ebling and Hurd and the Fish getting a 4-2 win over the Wheeling Nailers, jumping out 
to a 2-0 start. Wheeling did outshoot the walleye in the game 27-24 to lead him 2-for-5 on the power play. Wheeling 1-for-5 on the power play. It's close to the stop 25-27 of, uh, of 27 in the game. Uh, Gardner stopped 20-of-24 for the Wheeling Nailers in the game. And it was the Fish, a big 4-2 win in that one. Uh, 1,148 in attendance for that game at West Banco Arena. So the Fish getting into that realm. We go into last week. Of course, Cincinnati a winner 2-1 over Kalamazoo Wednesday on the 26th of October. Uh, Orlando beats Jacksonville 6-2. And the Rooster Railers beat the Lions of Travos 6-3 on the 26th of October. We get into last weekend, the 28th of October. Kalamazoo, a 6-3 win over the Iowa Heartlanders. Newfoundland wins 6-3 over the Lions. South Carolina, a 4-1 win over Greenville. The Marion Mariners, a 4 uh, lose, lose to Norfolk, 3-1. Cincinnati shuts out the Wheeling Nailers, 4-0. The Savannah Ghost Pirates, the new team of the ECHL, traveled up to Fort Wayne to battle the Comets, and they get a 4-3 shootout win improving their record of 4 and 0 overall. Fort Wayne now 1 2 1 and 1 in play. Uh Tulsa loses to Wichita 5-3. Kansas City falls to Rapid City 6-4 and Utah 2-1 win over the Idaho Steelheads on the 28th of October. On the 29th, Newfoundland was a winner 3-1 over the Lions of Travos. The Maine Mariners a 6-1 win over the Norfolk Admirals. The Wooster Railers a 4-2 win over the Adirondack Thunder. The Everblades is the defending Kelly Cup champions. A 2-0 win. Indy was a winner 3-1 over the Reading Royals. Greenville stumped the South Carolina Stingrays 9-3. In overtime, Savannah gets the win 6-5 over the Comets. It was the Cyclones for their home opener, a winner 5-2 over the Iowa Heartlanders. Allen wins in overtime 2-1. Kansas City, a 3-0 win over Rapid City. And Idaho, a 4-0 win over the Utah Grizzlies. The Fish did hit the ice. They took on the Kalamazoo Wings. And the K-Wings shut out the Fish for the first time, giving the Walleye their first loss of the season as they lose 2-0. It was Humes, his first, and McCarthy his second. For Kalamazoo, the two school scorers, the Fish outshot Kalamazoo in the game 39-19. Both teams 0-4 on the power play, So, but Matt Milosic, um, uh, Max Milosic, 17 for 19 in the game. Comier, perfect 39 for 39 in the game. 3,395 in attendance, 2 hours, 24 minutes took to play the game at Wings Event Center in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Sunday, slate on the 30th. Saw Atlanta a winner 6-3 over Orlando. Wooster was a winner 6-1 over Adirondack. The Reading Royals a 3-2 win over the Indy Fuel. Wichita 2-1 win over the Allen Americans. Maine getting a 5-3 win over Norfolk. Wheeling beats up on the Iowa Heartlanders 2-0. We had games that took place on Tuesday afternoon. And Fort Wayne gets a win in a shootout. 4-3 over the Cincinnati Cyclones. Greenville falls to Atlanta 2-1, and Utah falls to Kansas City by the score of 3-2. Wednesday slate saw the Wooster Railers a winner in overtime 4-3. Idaho a winner 3-2 over the Rapid City Rush. Games this weekend are as follows. <coughs> Excuse me. In Gas South Arena in Duluth, Georgia, it will be the Orlando Solar Bears will take on the Atlanta Gladiators. Iowa travels to Indy. 
Wheeling travels to Reading. Adirondack travels to the Traverse Lions in Quebec. Savannah goes to Greenville to battle the Swamp Rabbits. The Maine Mariners host the Newfoundland Growlers. The Florida Everblades host the Jacksonville Icemen. Utah travels to Kansas City. Allen travels to Wichita. And Idaho hosts the Rapid City Rush. Friday night, the Walleye host the Kalamazoo, uh, Kalamazoo host the Walleye. 7 o'clock puck drop for that one. And then Saturday, November 5th, 7.15 puck drop. The Fish welcome in the Cincinnati Cyclones to the Huntington Center in downtown Toledo. The other games as follows. 3 o'clock drop will be Adirondack taking on the Lions. Newfoundland goes to Maine. Atlanta go- travels to South Carolina to battle the Stingrays. Jacksonville in Florida to battle the Everblades. Kalamazoo travels to Indy to battle the Fuel. Uh, the Nailers travel to Reading to battle the Royals. Savannah hosts the Greenville Swamp Rabbits. Norfolk travels to Wooster. Utah travels to Kansas City. Tulsa hosts Wichita. And Idaho travel hosts the Rapid City Rush. On Sunday afternoon slate, Fort Wayne is in Iowa to battle the Heartlanders. Orlando travels to South Carolina. Wooster to Norfolk. And Wichita hosts Tulsa in those games. And that is the slate for this upcoming week. Uh, news and notes around the East Coast Hockey League. Of course, Toledo. Uh, have has deleted Trent, Trenton Bliss forward and has, has been recalled by Grand Rapids. Uh, Savannah has uh, loaned goaltender Darian Hansen to Cleveland. Um, Kalamazoo has added Whelan Parrish, signed contract and added to his act, active roster. Cincinnati has added Jermaine Allison and played activated from injured reserve and have deleted Emmett Spool and placed him on reserve. They also deleted Trevor Colson, goaltender, and placed him on reserve as well. Suspensions and announcements as well. Uh, the Rapid City's Rapid City player Logan Nelson has suspended for two games and fined an undisclosed amount as a result of his actions as Rapid City in Idaho on November 2nd. Nelson is fine and suspended under Rule 28 Supplementary Discipline as a result of an unpenalized illegal check to the head at the 15:50 mark of the third period. Nelson will miss the Rapid City game on November 4th and 5th under the collective bargaining agreement. So that is the walleye. That is the ECHL news and notes from around the league. Of course, like I mentioned before, we will be at opening night for the Fish as they will take on the Cincinnati Cyclones. 7:15 puck drop for that one. We are going to be on location at the Huntington Center. We'll, of course, have the first period intermission report for you from our seats. You'll hear my take on what I saw in the first period. We'll have some pictures as well. We're also going to walk around the tailgate area as well as around the concourse to give you guys what is new for 2022. So there is that for you guys here. And uh, looking forward to opening night in downtown Toledo to catch up on Toledo's biggest party besides opening day for the Mud Hens. This is a bigger opening day in my opinion. Everybody comes out to support the fish on the ice. As that is the walleye roundup right here on All Andy Elf for tonight as you're listening to the program right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, 
Thank you so much for tuning in. And now we've come to the end of our program tonight. It's now time for Andy Rants. So it's now time for Andy Rants tonight. I want to thank you guys for tuning into the podcast tonight. And what if, if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, then what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. We do podcasts each week right here now on All Andy Elfrin. Like I said before, we'll be doing our shows now on Thursdays during the Maction season, of course. Uh, we'll be doing one show each week to preview the Mac, recap the Mac uh, midweek games, as well as to preview the rest of the college football spectrum and the NFL as well. So uh, that's going to be going forward until after the midweek matching games are officially done, which will be after Thanksgiving. So give give that guys a a promise to going forward. So uh, it's time for Andy Rance tonight. And I want to talk about, you know, everybody else is talking about it right now. And that's the whole situation, what's going on with the Brooklyn Nets. I know I don't talk about the National Basketball League, but, you know, what... Kyrie Irving is doing to the league. He is, he was a cancer in Cleveland and he's still a cancer to this day. Uh, I've never been a big Kyrie fan myself. And what, just to post all this information and post all what he had to say and sharing that video is just absolutely terrible. I, I commend, I commend what the, what the NBA is trying to do <clears throat> and and they're trying to, you know, read into it, but you know, as soon as he posted that, the league should have went and suspended him right off the bat. And I agree with um with Charles Barkley uh on NBA on TNT. He says that the NBA really, you know, is falling into peer pressure over the situation because of this. And um, I think it's absolutely wrong for what Kyrie said. I think it's wrong to actually believe that. And, you know, I think the league should really look into him and the problems that he causes whenever he goes, you know, and he's, and I'm going I'm to be honest with you guys. I don't follow the NBA all that much, but when I read this story, I just say I, I, it kind of really hurt me in some aspects because anti-Semitism is not needed in this world, especially from a guy like that, and um, for a guy who's not vaccinated, who's not, who is using his platform to only think about himself instead of others. It's just wrong, and I hope uh, Elon Musk sees this post and just goes after him, really goes after him with that one. So it's not needed in the NBA. It's not needed in the league. Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm, my second thing tonight is of, of this nature. Um, I do want to apologize for not doing a show for you guys last week. And, uh, you know, of course we did, because of the bye, we decided to just take a week off. And I was recharged after that. And I really was really recharge and uh, it was a great Halloween here at the at the house had over 70 kids at the trick-or-treat and did a fantastic job my wife did a fantastic job for dinner that night and I uh, got a chance to hang out with Brian and Angela we were talking about the NASCAR race and Ross Chastain and that was absolutely amazing uh, for the final four I'm gonna take uh, uh, Chase Elliott to win the whole thing 
So I'm going to take Elliott to win it. Um, looking forward to this weekend too. Big weekend. Uh, besides the college football NFL, the opening night for the walleye also is the Breeders' Cup, which is the big horse race, the final horse race of the season. It's going to be taking place in in uh, Kentucky. Looking forward to that. Um, the Global Series with the with the Jackets. I'm hoping the Jackets can at least get one win out of this. If they lose both games, then I know Larson's fired after this. I mean, it's just plain and simple. The question is, who do we go out and get? And the first word I'm going to tell you guys is this. I think Barry Trotz is the number one pick for us. You go get Barry Trotz, we can probably get ourselves back into the winning spectrum. I think a veteran coach like that, to a veteran team that it is, definitely, definitely, definitely is a strong, 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 strong possibility. So there's that. Uh, another, I want to send out a couple shout-outs before we close up shop tonight. I want to wish uh, my one of my best friends out there, Delaney Grinanew, formerly Delaney Furlong, a very happy birthday, and I hope she had a terrific day with her and her husband, my hu- her husband, her husband Drake, who's my best friend. I hope uh, she had a terrific birthday with the new little one that they have, uh, Ella, and uh, she. I hope you guys had a great, great birthday week. I mean, I know you celebrate the birthday all week long. Um, so there's that. Uh, also want to send a special shout out to all those that, um, you know, to all those affected by what's happening with the Kyrie situation, as well as what's happening over in Ukraine. Our thoughts are with you guys and our thoughts and prayers are with uh, the people of Ukraine during the whole situation. Uh, we stand with Ukraine on this podcast and, um, I close tonight with uh, what what I'm going to tell you guys. Um, Tuesday is election day. Um, I don't usually talk politics on this podcast, but I want to talk about who I'm going to be voting for for governor of the state of Ohio. And I hope that you take the consideration to vote for Mike DeWine and uh, John Husted for governor of Ohio. Um these guys have done so much for this state, especially during the COVID times. I think it's time for us to repay them for four more years in the state capitol. I think um, I'm not going to get into the state, uh, the Senate races and the House of Representative races because those those people don't really matter. Vote local. Vote for your issues and vote for your heart. So I guess I'm going to say this. as All Andy Alford is endorsing Mike DeWine and John Husted for governor of the state of Ohio. And that's going to be it for All Andy Alford. Don't forget to go vote on November 8th. I hope you had a great Halloween. Enjoy the sports this weekend. And I'll talk to you guys in one week's time on Thursday. To preview, yes, to preview, Ohio, preview the big battle of I-75 between Bowling Green and Toledo. 
It will be Toledo week next week. But until then, this is Andy Alford saying I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And remember, hit them straight. More birdies, less bogeys. And to the teams you root for at home. And to my teams, go Jackets! Get the job done in Finland over Colorado. Let's go Walleye. Welcome home. Lift the banners. Great win by Bowling Green. Fly the W at the Doit. Let's go State. Get the job done over Northwestern. Come on, Lions. Do something. Pull the upset over Green Bay. Enjoy the bye, Browns fans. And go Falcon hockey team. Take the job done over Michigan Tech. Because victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great week, everybody. I'll talk to you guys on Thursday, one week from today, for another edition of All Andy Alford. And stay tuned to our social channels for the 2022 opening night of our Toledo Walleye. I love you. Talk to you then. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You've been listening to Andy tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker, however you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you again for tuning into the show tonight. You can be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford, as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. The podcast is performed each week right here on the Anchor Network.